Hello, everyone, and welcome to our inaugural podcast series covering Brazil's alignment with OECD transfer pricing standards. The series is brought to you by BaseFirma, your go-to transfer pricing firm in the Americas and beyond. With offices located throughout the Western Hemisphere in Europe, as well as alliances with elite transfer pricing firms all over the world, BaseFirma is your one-stop shop for everything transfer pricing, from planning to implementation to compliance to controversy. I'm your host, Chad Martin, based out of the Denver, Colorado office of BaseFirma, and I'm joined today by my friend, colleague, co-host, and resident expert, Davi Santana, our partner based in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Davi, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Davi Santana. I have like 18 years experience in transfer pricing in Brazil. I started my career in big fours, worked for companies as well, and for since I know uh, this is the, the, my passion, working with transfer pricing, helping my clients, helping the, the taxpayers to uh, elaborate their documentation in Brazil with the best practice. That's what I do. And I'm here with basic firma from five years now, working to improve the, the practices here in Brazil. Great. Well, we're lucky to have you here, Davi. And to everyone watching and or listening today, we really could not be more excited than to launch our new series covering everything you need to know about the momentous changes to Brazilian transfer pricing laws. Our goal for this series really isn't just to focus on the details of the new measures, right? Covering everything from an academic or a you know, theoretical perspective. We're really trying to have this podcast give you practical advice as tax practitioners for the steps that you should take in the immediate and near term. So our show today is the beginning of a podcast series that we're launching, and it explores how a notoriously tricky tax jurisdiction in Brazil finds itself today on the brink of aligning with OECD global transfer pricing standards. So David, I'm a history guy by background. I would love to start with a little bit of a history lesson from you. So could you walk us through a little bit of background of, you know, first off, why Brazilian tax and transfer pricing laws have been so, uh, to use our favorite Brazilian euphemism, unique, and why they've diverged from U.S. and OECD norms in the past? Hey, hey Chad, this is an important point to, to start to put everyone on the same, on the same page. Brazil has this uh, different and unique legislation since 96. It was uh, implemented based on the arms length principle at the time, based not, inspired by the arms length principle. But the mistake that we committed at the time was that was not inspired on the OECD guidelines that was promoted, promulgated in 95. It was on the previous rules from the 70s, 60s that Brazil try to adapt, try to tropicalize, as we say in Brazil. And uh, the rules are quite different. The inspiration was not that, that good. Uh, we had these rules implemented on a period that Brazil was open its, uh, its doors to the international markets. The early 90s in Brazil, Brazil was even importing auto parts from abroad or electronic goods. It was a quite new process to Brazil. And this new rule was trying to, this transfer pricing rule in Brazil was trying to protect the Brazilian industry at the time. So it was created mainly 
to focus on import of tangible goods. And the methods and all the strategies behind that was implemented to avoid that uh, foreign products was imported to Brazil and we have a dispute with the local industry that was trying to, uh, to adapt to these new times of globalization. So that was the main problem at the time. Uh, our rules was designed to test that, only those import of tangible goods. Uh, so the methods in the main method used in Brazil is used today, the resale minus method and adaptation of resale minus method. And at the time, there was two different uh, approaches to those to this method. It was an approach for the products that was imported to resale and another approach for the products that was imported for local production. In one hand, we had like 60% of margin required and 20% in other just for resale of products. And that was the rule for the whole industry in Brazil. There was also another methodologies like the comparable methodology and the cost plus methods that applies for imports and export transactions in different ways, but mainly was the true approach that we had in Brazil. Uh, what happened is that on, 20, uh, on 22, uh, 2022, yeah, no, no, 20, sorry guys, uh, <laughs> the record is, is complicated. Uh, what happened at the time is that we had this update on the rule on 2022 and a normative instruction following that rule. And it created a huge problem in Brazil. What was the problem is that the normative instruction that is enacted by Receita Federal changed the mathematical formula of the law. And it created a huge dispute between taxpayers and Receita Federal because taxpayers was arguing that uh, normative instruction could not change a law. And those, uh, this difference prevails until 2012, 2012 when we had this uh, normative instruction implemented into the new law, and this is the law that is valid un until today. This new rule, this updated uh, rule, uh, creates three different scenarios for the resale minus method, like 40% from pharmaceutical industries, 30% uh, for chemical industry, and 20% for all other industries. But it is a problem because it's always focusing on tangible goods. And that was a huge problem. And we, when we, I was discussing with my clients, when I was presenting these uh, rules to any foreign uh, clients, they always say, hey, oh my God, this is a mess. This is like a great safe harbor. It's not a traditional transfer pricing analysis. There is no economic uh, analysis uh, behind that. So how is that? It is just apply the formula. Yes, it's just apply the formula. However, we must apply the formula on a product by product basis. So you can imagine how is to capture this information and to process all these analysis on this uh, product by product. For example, uh, automotive industry, you know that one car has uh, at least 10,000 of different parts. And we need to calculate the margin of each one of the components of a car if it is uh, imported auto parts. So it is uh, complicated uh, and not so good uh, on a tax perspective 
environment that we have in Brazil. Uh, on 2017, we had a disruption in Brazil. Dilma Rousseff was our president at the time and Michel Temer assumed that she was uh, impeached at the time and changed the, 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 the mindset of our government in Brazil. Michel Temer was one of our presidents that would like to have more open doors internationally. And he sent a letter to ACG to join the rich country club as uh, the left-wing government uh, we used to say in Brazil. And the first movement of uh, of OECD was challenging our transfer pricing system. That is completely different. Brazil is a key partner of OECD. We have always signed the instruments, uh, for example, the BAPS instruments, the uh, the, the sharing of information between the tax authorities, all the instruments Brazil is signing. However, our treasure pressure rules are completely different. So the first project, the first alignment project was understand what was the difference and the, the similarities of the Brazilian treasure pressure systems with the OECD model. And it was created a project in Brazil an eight-month project. I have been in Brasilia several times to follow the discussions uh, to move our transfer pricing systems to the international playground, let's say like that. What happened is that on the first uh, tries, uh, on the first meetings, Receita Federal was really concerned about that. They was always saying that Brazilian transfer pricing rules should be simple, uh, they consider our transparency rules simple and predictable. But in my opinion, it is not simple or even predictable. It's simple to audit <laughs> and predictable on how much is the collection because it's a mathematical formula that Receita Federal can access with all the data that they have from the taxpayers in Brazil. Uh, the result of this eight-month project was a report attesting 35 different gaps between Brazilian transfer pricing rules and international uh, guidelines. These 35 gaps, they, they are come in two main pillars. Uh, the pillar one is the double taxation. They always came with a double taxation. You can have like an arm's length transaction being respected abroad, however, in Brazil, you do have a transfer pricing adjustment. You are penalized because of the mathematical formulas, because of the methodologies, and you are in a, in a uh, and respecting the arms and principle, but you do have transfer pricing adjustment in Brazil. On the other hand, in Brazil, you can choose the method that is most more favorable to the taxpayer, that results in the lower tax adjustment. And there is some cases that are some space to uh, tax planning. And some uh, Brazilian taxpayers, even with uh, losses, only having transactions with related party, didn't have any transfer pricing adjustment. So there is the non-taxation at all in, in other hands. So Receita Federal understood that. And the recommendation of this report was that Brazil must have a full alignment not an hybrid uh, option, not a uh, uh, tropicalization, not a space to any, uh, to any difference between the, the, what 
the international players are, are doing and Brazil are playing. We need to play the same game, basically. That was the, the rule. And on last year, on the last day of the government, of uh, Bolsonaro government, he signed a provisional measure. This provisional measure, 1152, was signed on December 29, and it's still open on votation. The Congress has approved it, but it's still the Senate to observe, to analyze the, the rules and sign off or not this that we'll do on June 1st. A Ceta Federal has issued also a new uh, normative instruction that opens the opportunity for the taxpayers to choose between the old transfer price model or the OECD model by September 1st until September 30th. So you, the taxpayers in Brazil will have this window to choose for 2023, but 2024 forwards will be mandatory to follow the new rule if approved. Great, Davi. Thank you so much for that. And let's just get right to the elephant in the room. Let's throw our uh, let's throw our listeners a bone here and ask a question that ChatGPT couldn't answer correctly, right? <laughs> so, Davi, you are the resident expert here. You know OECD and Brazil alignment rules better than probably just about anyone else in the world. Give us a number, Davi. What is the percentage likelihood that this measure is adopted into law before the June 1st deadline? Said, if you had this question on December 28th last year, I would say that this would not pass because Brazil has just changed the, the government from a, a right wing to a center left wing now. And in the past, you like history, so I'll tell you a little bit more. Uh, Lula has been elected this year, so he is the new president of Brazil, but he was president back in 2008. At the time, Brazil was invited by OECD. Angel Gurria was the, the president of OECD at the time, and was, Brazil was invited to join OECD. But at the time, Brazil has shown a lack of interest to, to join. Brazil was more aligned with the BRICS, was trying to improve this block. Uh, Brazil did not pay so much attention, and we let this opportunity pass. What happens now is that Brazil is trying to enter, and now it's a different situation. It's not someone that wants to buy your car, it's you trying to sell. Now it's a different story. Uh, what happens is that the provisional measure is signed, but it was signed on the last day of, of, of Bolsonaro government, and is a complete disruption on political process in Brazil. We know that based on some interviews that I'm following, that the new government intends to support this, uh, this movement. Nowadays, Brazil is supporting the BRICS, is trying to join, is trying to rebuild the, the bloc, but is also trying to join OECD. And we know that nowadays because we, we saw the votation on the Congress. It, the, the provisional measure passed uh, with a large uh, yes vote. So uh, it was a, a huge vote for yes, this provisional measure should prevail. What we, uh, we know is that on the Congress, on the Senate, the analysis will be deeper. And I, in my view, they are more subject to the influence 
of some sectors in Brazil. In my perspective, the sector of commodities is one of them, one of the sectors that are pushing to uh, not to not pass the provisional measure, but at least to give more space to the taxpayers to adapt. So 2023 is the only optional year nowadays, and they are intending to spend this for 2025. Not only the agribusiness and the commodity industries, but I know that other industries has also suggested that, and this, this uh, request was refused by the Congress. Let's focus on your question. The first thing is, this is also always a trick point. But in my view, I think that we have like 85% now to pass, to be approved on the Congress. The only point that I'm, I, I still don't know what will happen is uh, if 2024 will be optional too. Now I think that only 2023, but 2024 is under the table to discussion. Framed like a true economist, laying out all of the inputs and assumptions that go into the calculations. But ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. 85% quote Davi Santana on it. Thanks, Davi. <laughs> so, Davi, let's get into some of the practical advice that we promised our listeners on this podcast. So, for about five or six months now, we've known that the possibility of alignment uh, being drafted into law was an increasing likelihood, right? Tax departments have had some time to think about this, consider the implications. Uh, I want to ask you, in your opinion, do you think multinational enterprise tax departments today, in April 2023, the time that we're recording this podcast, are ready for the changes? And if they're not, not leading an answer here, but if they're not, what might they not be ready for and what advice would you have for them in order to prepare? Uh, Chad, I, I would say that Brazil is with these transfer price rules for more than 20 years now. And we are used to that. We, the companies has adopted their, their uh, ERPs, uh, work with softwares to make the, transfer, the Brazilian transfer pricing calculation, let's say like that. They are used to that. They already know the rule. However, OECD is a black box for most of the Brazilian multinational enterprises. Not only for the Brazilian multinationals, but for the subsidiaries that are working in Brazil and has ne never think in a international transfer pricing policy of the group. We, Brazil was always put on the side when transfer pricing discussions was, was being held by the headquarters. So I talked with a lot of CFOs in Brazil, and when this topic came to the table on the discussion, hey, we are talking about transfer prices. No, Brazil don't need to participate because Brazil is different. Brazil is another rule, uh, and we are not on the same level of discussions as our colleagues in Latin America or Europe. That's true. And my recommendation, what do I think that with the company should do is starting being prepared to the new system because this 85% is a lot of chances to do. I would bet on that. So uh, I think that they need to start getting prepared, training their own staff, understanding what are their transactions in Brazil because it's completely different, the international environment than what we have now. 
What we do have now is test of tangible goods, test of the service transactions, and uh, some loans. That's it. What will happen now forwards is that this analysis is completely different. You need to take a look on the economic behavior of the transactions, understand what are the nature, understand what, what is the risks, what are the assets involved, what are the uh, functions that they are providing in Brazil that they are not charging or they are that is not being uh, considered nowadays. So the companies need to start learning what is international transfer price. That's the main advice now. And for this window of September 30, that is a short window to understand and to see what will happen in 2023. It's an opportunity, for sure, it's an opportunity for large companies in Brazil to observe the new rules. But they needed to have the view of these transactions. They need to understand that. Our advice for, for our clients in Brazil is being to start this analysis based on the scenario that they already know what happens and 2022 is the best option. So you do have 2022 figures. You know what are your transactions. You know what, what happened last year and you have the closed numbers. You know also the transfer pricing adjustment based on the old rule. So making a risk analysis, making opportunity analysis as well to understand what are these uh, difference between the scenarios if the new rule could already for 2023 be applicable and would bring some uh, benefits to the company in Brazil is essential. So that's our advice. Start getting prepared, understand what is the new transfer pricing environment and taking a look on the past on 2022 to make the best option for 2023. At least if it is not a good option for 2023, you already be prepared for 2024 that it will be mandatory. Obviously, just picking apart, you know, a, a very multifaceted answer that you gave us there. I, I think your point initially about training and education really just could not be more significant and important right now, right? We've got a global shortage of tax professionals in Brazil specifically. There is a very, very small amount of people who are skilled in both Brazilian and OECD and global transfer pricing norms, right? So building up that capacity, whether in-house or engaging a service provider or having some sort of formal training in order to get those skills built up really can save a lot of time, a lot of money for tax departments uh, leading up to the expected implementation of these laws in 2024. I also like how you laid out some sequencing, right? So one thing I hear from my clients a lot is, okay, you've told me that I need to do 16 different things, right? But what's hard for me to figure out as a tax director, as a VP of tax, as a CFO, is to figure out the sequencing to do all of these 18 things, 16 things, whatever I had said before, right? Before the end of the year, before September 1st or 30th, when I need to make these decisions, right? So what I heard from you, Davi, is, you know, the education, the base of knowledge starts first, the engagement with stakeholders is next, right? Bringing people in, uh, in the company on board to the changes that are going to happen, whether that's financially 
operationally, uh, mm-hmm. you know, potential impacts to key performance metrics that might uh, arise as a, a result of change to transfer pricing policies, right? And then the third part of your answer that I heard was the quantitative assessment, right? So specific modeling on tax impacts, on financial impacts, on uh, legal entity forecasts, right? Um, that can allow companies to go into September 30th comfortable about the decision they're going to make for 2023 and confident in their ability to implement these changes in 2024. Perfect. Great. Well, Davi, as we wrap up today's episode, I wanted to leave you a few minutes uh, in case you had any questions for me from an OECD or U.S. transfer pricing perspective. Uh, Shad, I, I do have, because Brazil has this urgency to implement the transfer pricing measures by uh, for uh, for foreign pressure, the foreign tax credits in the U.S. that will not be accepted for the countries that are not following the same rules. So, what are your perspective on that? Uh, uh, from the Brazilian taxpayers, we think that USA has used a bazooka to kill an ant, uh, <laughs> but it worked because Brazil is now moving. On that, this happens also to other countries. Was or there are only targets in Brazil with this with these measures? Javi, that's a great question. I'm going to have my uh, geopolitical sensitivities on here and on, on full <laughs> display. <laughs> what 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 might be called killing an ant with a bazooka could also be seen as a carrot and stick or a gentle uh, nudge policy, right? That you, you might hear the administration. Uh, use euphemistically, right? Uh, But you're absolutely right, Davi. Look, it's really hard to not see this initiative as as being part of a, you know, a a broader willingness and a broader enthusiasm for using fiscal, financial, tax policy um, to implement U.S., uh, you know, a a broader U.S., agenda worldwide right so in a very similar vein as to, you know the, the uh you know sanctions and financial tools that have been used in specific industries um for specific geopolitical reasons i think you're absolutely right in that the us was really going after uh Brazil's lack of alignment with global transfer pricing norms with with a pretty big stick, right? In November 2021, kind of all the punches uh, punches came out with the revisions to the U.S. foreign tax credit regime, right? Which basically made it impossible uh, for a lot of taxpayers to get a foreign tax credit on on tax payments they make in Brazil, right? With the rationale that you know, the U.S. really is just not going to recognize foreign taxes paid in jurisdictions that don't, don't recognize the arm's length standard, right? Um, so I, I think that was probably the first big punch, right? Then we have the settlement of the 3M case earlier this year in which the uh, the court sided with, with the service and saying, look, you know, the inability or the the non-deductibility of Brazilian payments to foreign affiliates, uh, you know, in this case specifically for IP royalties, is not a reason to change your transfer pricing rules, right? So in this case, they basically said, look, 
you have to apply U.S. transfer pricing norms when transacting for Brazil for U.S. tax reporting purposes, right? Uh, if Brazil is going to cap your royalties at 1% or up to a ceiling of 5% as the current regime exists, that's not a reason not to apply an arm's length 6% royalty from a U.S. perspective, right? Uh, so back to the beginning of, of, of your statement, right? Taxpayers really got nervous. Uncertain tax positions uh, got a lot more burdensome for, for taxpayers in Brazil and the U.S., right? Um so, so to answer your question more succinctly, absolutely, there's an element of, uh, of geopolitical, of financial, of uh, multinational corporate pressure going on here from the U.S. and uh, in Western world. Yeah. But it worked, and we are willing to, to have this rule approved and to be aligned with the international environment. I think that for Brazil, we will attract way more investments because a lot of companies are afraid to enter into our market because of the divergence of the rules, the, uh, the how complicated it is to be in compliance in Brazil. So this is the first movement and I think that we are on the way to a better place now. <laughs> I think so, Davi, and I think it's going to be, you know, a huge opportunity. We've talked about some of the challenges, but for a lot of taxpayers, the certainty, right, of this measure being adopted into laws, as it presumably will, 85%, as we all heard today, um, the certainty in itself is going to be uh, going to be huge, right? Being able to release some of those reserves, um, being able to start applying arms length pricing and getting some cash out of Brazil, right? For a lot of taxpayers, that's going to be a huge benefit. Right. So I, I think you're absolutely right there, Davi. So that wraps up our podcast today. I hope all of our listeners, all of our watchers had a little fun learning from Davi about really what's one of the most important transfer pricing legislation changes of this century. I don't think I'm exaggerating there. On next episode, we're going to be discussing some of the specifics on how these new rules will impact multinational enterprises with tangible product transactions involving Brazilian affiliates. Right. So in the meantime, please see the show notes for some further information on today's episode, as well as for details on how you can contact Davi and myself with any questions or comments on today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Base from a Brazil, base from a U.S. signing off. Thanks, everyone.